We're going to begin reading with verse number 42. And we're going to read verses 42, 43, and 44 from Matthew, the 24th chapter. Praise God. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse number 42, reading through verse number 44. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man I want to preach to you tonight about the good man of the house. In verse number 43, Jesus said, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Elder, would you lead us in prayer? Praise God. Father, in your name, we look to you right now. Praise God. Everybody said amen. God bless you tonight. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I'm sure that all of our minds have been preoccupied in the last few days and weeks with what is happening in the Middle East. With war in the Persian Gulf, there are many that have begun to think of things that have perhaps been out of mind. There are many that have been stirred to realize that we are living at the very close of time. Just this past Sunday, we had a couple show up church in Independence and had driven up from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is about 90 miles south of us, a couple that had a couple of years ago been in our church and had backslid and moved away. They'd been backslid for a couple of years and they drove up just this past Sunday and uh, they came for the specific purpose of getting right with God. Their hearts having been stirred and the man told me, he said, I, I went to work at a plant in Tulsa and it just so happened at the same time that I was hired there were about three other men that were hired, and all three of them, including myself, just happened to be backslid United Pentecostal Church members. And the, the, the events that have transpired in the Persian Gulf in the last few weeks had stirred their hearts and made them realize that the end was near. And several of those had gone back to church and gotten right with God. That man was there just specifically for that purpose last Sunday, to get right with the Lord. We are made aware by the things that are happening around us that the end of time is upon us. I really don't believe that there 
is any one of us here tonight in the service that would, that would uh, deny that we are living at the close of time, that the rapture of the church is very nigh at hand. I was reading some articles to uh, Brother Elder just before service tonight. I brought them to the pulpit with me tonight. The, the headlines of uh, uh, this newspaper, which is a newspaper that Brother Urshan takes, and I got this article from Brother Urshan, and uh, he, uh, the, the headlines on this newspaper article say, a Jewish rabbi says Messiah is coming. The, the most respected Jewish rabbi of all of the <clears throat> Jewish rabbis that there are has stated in this article that there is not one Israelite that should fear the events that are transpiring in the Persian Gulf. As a matter of fact, this article was written before the war began. He said the events do not have to disturb the spiritual and physical peace of a single Jew because they are a preparation and preface for the actual coming of the Messiah. This article goes on to state that Messiah is very soon to come. And there is another rabbi that's, that writes a letter to this rabbi and he, he lists some events that are soon to take place as far as, as they can tell on the prophetic calendar. Some of those events are that the USA will burn by nuclear weapons no later than June of 1992. That in 1991, the Mosque of Omar will be destroyed by Elijah and the school of the prophets. The ashes of the red heifer will be found for the Temple Mount cleansing. The temple will be started and dedicated to Yahweh with fire from heaven. Antichrist will sign a seven-year treaty in December of 1991 with Israel. In 1992, World War III will start. The Russian army will march on Israel and Europe and will send its missiles to the United States of America. I have another article here uh, that, that states that the uprising that took place back in October of last year when there were about 21 Arabs that were killed on the Temple Mount. I don't know if you remember that event that took place back in October of last year or not. Actually, I believe it was October the 8th. And uh, there were 21 Arabs that were killed. And the reason that they were slain was because that they were stoning the Jews that were at the Wailing Wall and uh, also the police that gathered there. And uh, this article brings out that what actually was transpiring that day and the reason that the Arabs were so upset was because that they had received word that there were some uh, very devout Jews that were coming to the Temple Mount on that day to lay a symbolic cornerstone for the new temple that's to be erected in Jerusalem on that spot. Brother Urshan told us just a few weeks ago that they did accomplish their mission that day and that the cornerstone for the new temple has been laid in Jerusalem. All of the events that are transpiring around us simply let us know that we are living in the end of time. I don't know if all of these prophetic uh, events that have been uh, predicted here as I read to you in this, it, it read them to you out of this article tonight will happen on that timetable or not. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I have not come tonight to proclaim to you that this is the year that the rapture is going to take place. I am not here tonight to tell you that the rapture is going to take place in 1992 or 93 or even in this decade because no man knows the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I know that I don't know when he's coming. Uh, all of us here tonight, I know that there have been those that have come through uh, and been in our ranks, if you please, that have 
done their best to try to figure it out with different numerical equations as to when the year uh, that Messiah would come or that the rapture would take place, that Jesus would come back for the church. Those years, some of them have come and gone. And, and I know that a few, uh, just a couple of years ago, that there were a lot of people that got that uh, were stirred up of, uh, about a book, over a book that was written, and 77 year, uh, reasons why that uh, the rapture is going to take place. And uh, there were a lot of people that were stirred. A lot of people were shook up by that. And, and I really don't know whether that did more good or more damage. Sometimes I think that maybe it did a little more damage than it did good because the, the, the time comes and it goes. And people predict when Jesus is coming. And uh, the time passes by and he still hadn't come. At least I hope he hadn't come yet. How many of y'all hope he hadn't come yet? That'd be all right if he came. It'd be all right with me if he came tonight. Would that be all right with you? That'd be fine with me if it, if it were to happen tonight. But we know that the rapture has not taken place yet. The trumpet has not sounded yet. And there have been those that predicted that he was going to come on a certain day or during a certain year and it did not happen. Has not taken place. And so there have been those that have arisen even as the apostle Peter said would happen that there would be scoffers in the last days that would walk after their own lust and they would say where is the promise of his coming because everything is remaining as it is you have said that he was going to come and he still hadn't come you have predicted that he was going to come on a certain day or during a certain year and it didn't happen so that means that he probably isn't going to come I want you to know tonight, and I hope that you understand that just because that there have been those that have predicted that he was going to come during a certain time period, and it didn't happen then, and it still hasn't happened as of yet, I hope that you understand tonight that we are still living close to the end of time, and that the rapture of the church is imminent. Amen. We know that we do not know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The Bible tells us that he is coming as a thief in the night. Scripture informs us that the coming of the Lord will be as a thief in the night. I would like for you to turn with me for just a moment to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to notice here the, uh, the way that Jesus is going to come. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, and beginning with verse number 10, the word of the Lord says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Now, we notice that the coming of the Lord will be as a thief in the night. And because that we do not know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You know, I really believe that the reason that Jesus did not give a specific time in which that he was going to come, did not tell us the day nor the hour, is because there would be a whole lot of people that would fool around until ten minutes before the trumpet would sound, and then they'd finally make up their minds they was going to get right before the rapture took place. I want you to know that those kind of people aren't going to be ready when the trumpet sounds. 
want you to know tonight that if the rapture, if I knew that the rapture wasn't going to take place five until five years from now, I'd still live for God right now. I wouldn't wait for four years and 364 days to get right and start living for God. I'd just keep on serving God every day right now. Praise God. Uh, hey, I'm not living for God because I'm afraid of missing the rapture. I'm living for God because I love him. I'm living for God because I want to live for him. I'm in church tonight because I want to be in church. This world don't have anything to offer me. I'm right where I want to be. I said I'm right where I want to be. Praise God. Amen. But he let us know that he is coming as a thief in the night. And he said, because that he is coming as a thief in the night. And because that you don't know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Then you ought to watch. You ought to be alert. You ought to be awake. You ought to be ready whenever he comes. He admonishes us time and time again in his word to watch and to be ready. To watch and to be ready. To watch and to be ready. To watch means to be alert. Don't be sleeping. Don't be, uh, allow yourself to become drowsy and indifferent and uh, uh, unconcerned and unaware of what's going on around you. Even in the spiritual realm, if you please, you need to be awake. You need to watch and you need to be ready. Amen. Hey, I want you to understand tonight that it means something to be ready. It means something to be ready. Praise God. It's going to be, it's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds for you to start getting your bags packed, honey. Come on. It's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds for you to start making some changes that you know you ought to be making right now. It's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds for you to start praying. It's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds for you to start being faithful to the house of God. It's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds for you to start paying your tithes. I don't know what kind of preacher you was expecting, but you're just going to get me. Is that all right? Is that all right if you just get me? Amen. I don't know how to be anybody but me. And I'm just going to preach like me, all right, as I feel the Holy Ghost leading me. So I'm telling you tonight that if you're going to be ready, it's time to be ready now. It's time to get your garments washed in the blood of the Lamb and make your preparations now. Hey, it wasn't raining when Noah went into the ark. Huh? I said it wasn't raining when Noah went into the ark. There wasn't even a cloud in the sky when Noah went into the ark. But he knew that the word of God was that you better get that ark built, boy, and you better get in it because there's a flood coming. And honey, let me tell you tonight that you better get in the church and you better stay in the church because the trumpet's going to sound and the church is going to leave here. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want you to know something tonight. Jesus isn't coming back for you. Huh? I said Jesus isn't coming back for you. He's not coming back for individuals. He's coming back for a bride. He is coming back for a church. And if you're going to make it in the rapture, you're going to have to be in the bride. You've got to be in the church. 
I'm talking about a blood wash church. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost filled church. I'm talking about a Jesus name apostolic church. I'm not talking about just any building on any street corner, honey. You gotta be in the church of the living God. You gotta be in a one God. Jesus name apostolic tongue talking holy living church. That's the kind of church that he's coming for. He said that he's coming back for a bride that hath made herself ready. He is coming back for a church without spot, without blemish, or any such thing. Hallelujah. Hey, if you've got sin in your life, you better get it out. If you've got sin in your heart, you better get rid of it. Come on. I said, if you've got sin in your life, you better move it out because you're not going to make it. He's coming back for a clean church, a holy church, a righteous church, a glorious church. I said, a glorious church. He's not coming back for an adulterer. He's not coming back for a fornicator. He's coming back for a bride that's pure. I said a bride that's pure. A bride that's saying, Lord, I am reserving myself for you. I'm not going to adulterate myself with the world. I'm not going to filthy my life up with sin. I'm going to keep myself pure for you. I'm going to keep myself clean for you. I'm going to live holy for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. Amen. When I was going with that young lady right over there on the end of this pew, I didn't want anybody flirting with her, and I didn't want her flirting with anybody. Come on. And if you don't mind your wife flirting, something's wrong with you. And if you don't mind somebody flirting with your wife, something's wrong with you. Come on. Amen. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God don't want his church flirting with the world. Huh? I said God don't want his church flirting with the world. And he don't want the world flirting with his church. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, but he's coming back for a bride that is pure and clean and a holy. That's a living for him. That's a loving him. That's a waiting for him. That's expecting him. That's saying, come on down, Lord Jesus. Come on and take us out of here. Oh, come on, Lord. We know that this is our hope. We know that this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been living for you for. This is what it's all about. That one of these days, this mortal, it's going to take on immortality. This corruptible, it's going to take on in corruption and then it's going to be brought to pass the saying oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory but thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory for death is swallowed up in victory and it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye hallelujah hallelujah and I want to be ready I said I want to be ready I want to be ready. Amen. I want you to turn with me now to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. And we know that it's there that the Apostle Paul said that we should not grieve when we have a loved one that dies as those that have no hope. Verse 15, he said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want you to notice one, one thing out of this verse before we go any further. In verse number 17, he said, Then we which are alive and remain. He didn't say, Then we which are alive and depart. He said, Then we which are alive and remain. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Now that's Bible. And if the devil can shake you out of the church, he'll shake you out of the church. He's not coming back for those that have been shaken out. He's going to come back for those that are alive and remain. Hallelujah. I tell you what. I tell you what. Let, the, let, the, let God shake. Let the devil shake. Let the preacher shake. Let the saints shake. Let everything shake. I'm staying right here. Let the world shake. Let it, I don't care. Let it all shake. I'm going to stay right here. Nothing's going to shake me out of this tree, honey. I said nothing's going to shake me out of this tree. This is the tree of salvation, and I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to stay attached to the vine. I'm going to stay hooked in to the bride. I'm going to stay in the church. Praise. God. Amen. And then he said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And then in chapter 5 and verse 1, he continues in the same channel of thought. And he says, but the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But now then, listen, in verse 3 said, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon, the, upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Wait a minute. Hey, for a long time I thought, Brother Elder, that the Lord was going to come as a thief for me. That he was going to come as a thief and it was going to be in, in, in that manner even for the church. But here the Bible lets us know that he is coming as a thief as far as this world is concerned. The world is not aware of what's going on. They don't understand what's happening in the Middle East. They don't know what's going on as far as the prophetic, prophetic timetable of, of God is concerned. They don't know anything about the events that are, all they, all they know is just, you know, that there's some more news and there's another war transpiring and, and uh, things are happening. And they don't put two and two together and realize that we're living in the end of time and that the rapture is, taking, is about to take place. They don't know that. They are unaware of what's going on. They are uh, not cognizant at all of the events that are transpiring, the signs of the times that are pointing to the end and telling us that the rapture is soon to happen, that Jesus is soon to come. But you and I are aware of that. It's not happening to us as a thief. We know that we are living in the end of time. There is something that is, that is even moving in our services and, and in the Holy Ghost. There is, there is an impression that is so strong upon us that Jesus is soon to come. Our hearts are, are being tugged upon by the Spirit to get closer to God and to, and to work for Him while that we have a little bit of daylight left because the night is so swiftly approaching and and it's all letting us know that hey he's coming soon he's coming soon and our hearts are quickened and he is not coming as a thief for the church you are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief no we do not know the day nor the hour but we do know that something is in the air there is something in the air there is a feeling in the air even now that's telling us that Jesus is soon to come.
Now in the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter. And verse number 43. Jesus said, but know this. That if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. There's something different about this verse of Scripture and the other verses that we have read to you tonight. There's something different about this one than the one that we read in Second Peter chapter 3. There's something different about this one than the one that you can find in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. There's something different about this one than the one that we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For in those passages of Scripture we read that he is coming as a thief. Those verses of Scripture did not say that he is a thief. And certainly, we, did, we would not depict the character of Jesus Christ as being that of a thief. We would not think of him as a thief. And I do not believe that Scripture depicts him in that kind of a frame or in that kind of a character. It's simply denoting to us when it says that he is coming as a thief. It represents the unpredictableness of his coming and the unpreparedness of those that he is coming to, if you please, concerning the world that are unprepared for his coming. Not the church because we are going to be ready. But he is coming as a thief, and, and a thief comes, and, and those that the thief comes in, into their homes, he comes unexpectedly when they are not looking for him, when they are not ready for him. He comes in the night, if you please, while that they are asleep and unaware of what's going on. But here in Matthew chapter 24, This verse of Scripture is talking about the thief. For oh. you see, there are two things that we need to be very acutely aware of right now. First of all, we need to be aware of the nearness of the coming of the Lord, that we are living at the very end of time, that the trumpet is soon to sound, that it could sound tonight. Yes, it could. I don't know if it's going to happen tonight or this week or this month or this year, but I know that it could. And I must be ready and I must be watching. But Jesus lets us know that at the very same time that we are living in the end and that the, and that the rapture is so soon to take place, he lets us know that at the very time that we are watching for his coming, that we are expecting him to come, at that very time that we also need to be watching for the thief because there is nothing that the devil would like better than right here at the very end of the race, right here at the very end of time, right here just before the trumpet sounds, Brother Elder, right here just before the rapture takes place, the devil to get in to your home and break up your house oh, and take you out. Get you out, if you please, right before the trumpet sounds. Oh, can you can you imagine how tragic it is going to be? And I am here to tell you tonight that it is going to happen. There is going to be someone that's going to backslide just before the rapture. Somebody is going to get out of the church just before the trumpet sounds. Somebody is going to turn away from God 
just before the church leaves. There is an onslaught. Even now, not only upon the church, but there is an onslaught of the enemy upon our homes right now like we have never seen before. I'm here to tell you tonight that the devil is doing everything that he can to tear down our families. The devil is doing everything that he can to destroy our homes. We are living in an hour in which there is confusion on every hand. It used to be that there were some men in the land that would stand up and that had some backbone and that would be the head of the house and that would be spiritual leaders in the home and they would lead their families to church. They would lead their families to prayer. They would lead their families in devotion. But oh, you see, anymore women are wearing the britches in America. Do you hear me? I said women are wearing the bridges in America and there is a confusion of the roles and nobody knows who's in charge anymore nobody knows if daddy's in charge or mama's in charge or if the kids are in charge and I'll tell you what in too many homes the kids are in charge I'm sorry if you don't like this kind of preaching. I'm just going to preach to you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm telling you that it's time for there to be men that'll stand up with backbone and say, as for me and my house, we are going to live for God. Hallelujah! I am sick and tired of hearing moms and dads say, well, if Johnny don't want to go to church, I ain't going to make him go to church. Do you make him go to school? Do you make him take a bath? Do you make him sit down at the dinner table? My God, why don't you care about his soul enough to get him in the house of God, to bring him to church, to get him on his knees, to pray with him every day? Oh, oh, David said, oh, there was no man that cared for my soul. I'm here to tell you, I want to preach to your parents for just a few minutes here tonight. You bear with me. I feel what I'm telling you tonight in the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you tonight that you care about the, those children. You make sure they got clothes on their back. You make sure they got food on the table. You make sure that they got a roof over their head. You make sure they got transportation. You make sure that their physical needs are met. How much more important is it, my friend, that you be sure that their spiritual needs are met? How much more important is it that you make sure that they receive the spiritual nutrition that they need every day of their lives? You, kill her. you care about their bodies, but their bodies are going to perish. You care about their physical well-being, but they're going back to the dust from which they came. But there is a soul on the inside of these young people that's going to live forever. There is a soul inside of these young people that's going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Where are some men that will stand up? Hey, I'm telling you, I'm telling you tonight that you're looking at one man right here on this platform behind this pulpit tonight. I'm telling you you that as for me and my house Joshua said it and if Joshua said it brother elder I can say it as for me and my house not just me but as for me and my house we are going to serve the Lord <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah I'm telling you, we need men. I'm telling you, the church needs men. Men that are men of strength. I said men of courage. Men of conviction. Not weak kneed jelly backbone men that are afraid to stand up and say, we're going to live for God. We're going to serve God. We're not going to have television in this home. We're not going to walk the way of the world. We're not going the way of sin. We're going to live for God. We're going to be true unto the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I felt a little snag when I hit television, but that's all right. I've hit snags before, and I want to tell you tonight that I don't. You, you don't even need a Bible. You don't even need the Holy Ghost to know television's wrong. It's tearing more homes apart. It's bringing breaking up more families. It's taking more children away from their parents. Don't tell me it's not. Children are are parented, if you please, anymore by televisions. They don't have moms and dads. They got a television for a mom and a dad. Oh, you say you're preaching mad. You better believe I'm preaching mad. I'm mad at the devil. I said I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at sin. I'm mad at what I see happening in our homes and in our families. And I think it's time that somebody took a stand. I think it's time that there was a good man of the house that said, Devil, you're not getting in here. You may get in that home over yonder. You may get in that home down yonder. But you're going to stay out of this house. You're going to stay out of this house. You're not going to take my kids. You're not going to take my wife. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to do it, devil. I'm going to pass you tooth and toenail. I'm going to pass you every step of the way. You're not getting in here. leave the window cracked. You just leave the door open just a little bit and he'll be in. Yes, he will. Let me take you back quickly tonight to the book of 2 Kings chapter 18. In 2 Kings chapter 18, I want you to follow with me quickly as we go over some of these verses of Scripture here in about three or four chapters. Second Kings chapter 18, let's start with verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abba, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that David his father did, he removed the high places. He broke the images. He cut down the groves. He broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Did you hear that? There was not a king after him that was like him. There was not a king before him that was like him. He pleased God. He broke down the images. He, he cut down the groves. He, he sacrificed unto God. He did that that was pleasing unto the Lord. For he claved to the Lord, and he departed not from following him. But he kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses, and the Lord was with him. And he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. 
Now then, if you would skip with me to chapter 20, and let's start with verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. You've been doing that that's pleasing to God. You've cut the groves down. You've broken down the images. You have obeyed the commandments of the Lord. But your house is just a little bit out of order, Hezekiah. Your house isn't in order, Hezekiah. You've got your own life in order. You're praying, and you're fasting, and you're faithful, and you're giving, and you're doing. And Hezekiah, you're pleasing God. But your house, Then he turned his face to the wall and he prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. I have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. It came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Beraldak, Beladan, the son of Beladan,